Breakfast with the Beak is brought to you by e-cigarettes. Like a segue for your face. E-cigarettes. Suck them. <laughs> Was that the segue? Yeah. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Bee. I am your host, Johnny Good Times. Joining me is my sidekick. I'm Dr. Eisenberg. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Big Nets. Good morning. And good morning to you. And good morning to you folks out there, whatever. Yeah. Whoever I'm saying good morning to in whatever order. Johnny, big exciting news today. We are five episodes from the finale. We absolutely are. Breakfast with the Beak, almost done. Almost done. We have almost finished discussing everything. Yes. And so, we're calling it a day. It's, it's, you know what? It's a, a three years, hundred hours. We've met our mission goals. We're going back to our home planet. Absolutely. And we're giving you a proper ending, okay? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts, they go on for a while, the hosts get burned out, the hosts get tired, yeah. they keep getting topics from one guy over and over again, mm-hmm. and they say to themselves, you know, let's maybe just skip a week, we'll come back next week, yeah. you know, and then they skip a month, and then they skip three months, then they do one more episode, and they say, see you next week. And then they don't come back. Exactly. And then that feed sits there for a year, two years... With no no news on what's going to happen, no updates. There's a Tumblr with nothing on it since 2011. And you don't know what's coming. You no. don't know. I mean, they've obviously kept it active, but what's happening? No. We're giving you a definitive end. Absolutely. Yes. Breakfast with the Beak, fucking on-target project. We're almost done. So Absolutely. all you guys have been hanging in there, you will not be disappointed. It's not going to be like Alf. It won't be. No, we are not going to have the government closing in and then just fucking nothing. Well, there was that movie that yeah. came out like a year or two later. It was garbage. It didn't even have the family in it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was the problem <laughs> with Elf, was that the finale was disappointing. It was. It wasn't up to the standard of quality you would come to expect from the Elf TV program. <laughs> that is correct. It's like Willie's not even in it. It's like, what the shit? Yeah, Willie was the glue, okay. Willie was the glue, man. <laughs> he was the father, the mentor. He guided Alf on his tour of Earth, just as you, the topic submitters, have guided us on our tour of Earth. Okay, fine. That kind of makes... You're saying it in a way that sounds like it makes sense, but I know it doesn't. <laughs> That's the Dr. Heisenberg uh, uh, golden seal of quality. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we cannot finish soon enough. Yeah, yeah. But I'm anyway. not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss that. <laughs> There's going to be some things I miss in any one of them. But, but yeah, just so you guys know what's coming, those of you who are actually paying attention, we got this and we got four more. Absolutely. So, March and we're set. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny, let's, shall, let's shall do roll? it. Yeah. All right. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. What is topic twenty-five, Johnny? Topic twenty-five is Taylor Swift. Hmm. Submit. It's not phrased as a question. That's just how I said it. (laughs) You were surprised. I was. Taylor Swift, Uh submitted by Sarah in New York. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Interesting. This is uh, this is an interesting one for us. Yeah. Well, if you think about it. We do talk about people. We rarely talk about someone when they're like 
current. current. Well, I mean, you could say Regina Spector, but at the same time, yeah, as, as current as she is, she's going to be current to a smaller segment of the population than Taylor Swift. Regina Spector is kind of weird and on the fringe. Yeah. Whereas when we talk about someone like David Bowie or George Takei, it's it's years after they've been at you know done their best work. Yeah, no, we're 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 it's a it's a career view of somebody who's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know, in terms of music topics, we've not done many. Right. But certainly they've been people who are uh, we are the target audience for and our our audience is probably an audience for Billy Corrigan, for yeah. example. Uh, that was what our generation came up listening to. Absolutely. We yeah. had a lot to say about that. Absolutely. You know, David Bowie, that's a, a hero to the freaks and the weirdos the world over. Certainly. You know? But in this particular case, we, mm-hmm. two men in our 30s, Correct. are decidedly not Taylor Swift's uh, demographic unless we're dating her. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Coming and swinging early. I am indeed. <laughs> yeah, and Taylor Swift is, is I, I think, uh, a perfect example of an artist who's not for us. Yeah. She's 24 years old. Uh, uh, she's had four albums. I think the first one came out, she was like 16 or 17. 17, maybe 16. If that, yeah, something like that. A wee lass, a wee lass. Absolutely. Still, still quite wee. I mean, she's a grown woman, but a young grown woman. In the eyes of God and the law, perhaps, but. (laughs) Yeah, but like. The lyrics tell a different story, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, but prior to receiving this topic, I really did not know much about Taylor Swift. And I I knew a couple songs, and I don't think I knew they were hers, with the exception, of course, of We Are Never, Never, Ever, Ever Getting Back Together. Everyone knows that's her. Yeah, the, I would say that's the song that broke through to people who weren't trying. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, like, she'd had her breakthrough as a successful recording artist a number of years earlier. Right. But that song is the one that was inescapable. That song is the one that guys like us finally had to say, okay, we can't ignore this. It's not going away. All right, we know you exist. Not it's to like... call Taylor Swift this or it, but... Right, right. You know, well, the career, the beast. I mean, before that, it was like, okay, you were the one that was interrupted by Kanye West. Yeah, that okay. was what I knew her from. Who's that Who's that? That pretty young lady? Oh, she's a country singer? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, like, Taylor Swift, when we were doing our research for this topic, mm-hmm. shockingly never on American Idol. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> you know? This is not a uh, 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 fucking Kelly... Uh, what's Clarkson. her face? This is not a Kelly yeah. Clarkson no, situation. I, I was actually surprised to learn that is not where she came from. Like, yeah. or rather, not even that I was surprised. I just, I did not know that is not where she came from. I, you could have told me that was true, and I would have been like, oh, it adds up. Yeah, okay, yeah. one of those, sure. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I mostly knew Taylor Swift's name mm-hmm. from hearing people talk shit on her in other podcasts. I, that's fair. I mean, well, Taylor Swift, before she made the breakthrough to general public consciousness, yeah. she she made the country music to pop music breakthrough. Yeah. Because she was, you know, before she was with, you know, like, uh, like a Faith Hill or a Carrie Underwood or a Tim McGraw, like... Names you might have heard, but mm-hmm. songs you probably haven't, because it's on the country stage. Yeah. And then she pulled the Shania Twain. She Her song, yeah. her country songs got so poppy that she showed up on, you know, pop charts. And then she just started making straight up pop songs. Yeah, her fourth album is basically a pop album. Absolutely. But if you go back and... Because and th- this is... 
You know what? I don't have time to like learn the names of all the celebrities she's dated and written songs about. There were a bunch. So what we did was, you know, you go back and you listen to the albums. Yeah, she's like, got songs about these people. Yeah, I never had listened to any yeah. Taylor Swift album prior to this. So, of course, we listened to all four when we got this topic. Uh, yes, we did. And yes, we did. That was a that was a tough day. <laughs> I'm um, not going to lie, man. That was a tough day. That was a... I, in between each album, I just had to take a break and, like, I, I went through all my music like, what is the opposite of this? I listened to Tool in between each Taylor Swift album. <laughs> I was like, I need to hear songs... About sex and drugs and black magic. <laughs> you know what? This makes me wish you were a radio DJ. <laughs> I was like, all right, that was, uh, we are never getting back together. Now here's a track from Stinkfist. Yeah. <laughs> well, the track is called Stinkfist. It's from Anima. You're correct. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was listening to, uh, uh, P-Funk. Before I was, went, I went from I went from Aqua Boogie to uh, Taylor Swift's Fearless. Oh God! Uh, in in uh, uh, my latest bout of research, so it's and that's a that's a a, a psycho aqua, aqua disc beta bio aqua do loop to uh, just a ride on a unicorn. Is what that is. Ride it's, on a unicorn yeah. is so. I mean, like that is the metaphor everyone uses that. That Taylor Swift is an extra special baby unicorn, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh... Well, here's the thing. I th- Listening to the albums, yeah. I have a very clear understanding of why she's popular. Absolutely. Like, there is, there is a demographic that she speaks to, arguably better than anyone I've ever heard speak to a specific demographic. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> Before we get to that, though... Okay, oh crap, I see you have a notepad. I have some clips. You have... Okay. No, I saw the clips on the computer, and they're not... I'd like to explain to everyone listening. (laughs) He prepared these clips without my knowledge and placed them in a folder on the computer unlabeled. They're just numbered, okay? So I don't know what's coming any more than any of you do, okay? So, right. So what do you have for me in your your creepy notebook here? Right, well, before we get to the meat and potatoes... No, no, wait, no, this is a Taylor Swift show. What do you have for me in your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper? Yeah, okay. yeah, no, this is uh, this is one of those uh, composition books, but I've colored in all the white parts with, like, pink and purple and, like, little hearts and, like, the names of... I don't know, Jonas Brothers? Okay. Yeah. Um, no, before we get to the meat and potatoes, the first thing that popped out of my mind is there's this song called 22. Okay. Okay? On uh, on her album Red, her most recent. And it just, I want you guys to, I need you to play clip four. Okay. And I want you, I want to know if you guys think the same thing I think upon hearing this. Okay, let's pause and we're going to listen to clip four. Okay. Dress up like hipsters. Now, when, when she pauses after the hit in hipsters... Yes, I do indeed expect her to say Hitler. <laughs> yes! It's like, Taylor, first time I hear this song, I'm like, oh my god, Taylor Swift says, it feels like a perfect night to dress up like Hitler. That is exactly... What could this song be about? Yeah, no, that... Like, <laughs> I, I, I wish that I could give you full credit for that joke, and I didn't tell that joke, you did. Uh-huh. To me, but... 
Yes, I also thought that the first time, and that song's in a commercial, right? Right. Okay, but it's like other people singing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, same thing. I expected them to say Hitler in the commercial. No, like she's got an arm man, a little Michael Jordan mustache. See, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like <laughs> now, obviously, the song is completely innocent. Yeah. But for that split moment, every time I hear that song... It's like, this time it's going to be different. I get like that mental image of her dressed up as, like, a stormtrooper. Oh, God. <laughs> that is, like... Not a Star Wars stormtrooper. No, a Nazi. I, I understand <laughs> yeah. which stormtrooper you mean. Yeah. And I'm not... Is that better? <laughs> no, no, it's much worse. Um, anyway. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I I'd love to have more commentary on that song. I do have more commentary on that song, but it's other parts of the song. You know? We're gonna get to that. Oh, oh god. Okay, now now getting back to why she's you know why she addresses demographics so well because her her, her songwriting is very just direct and deliberate. There's I would like to think there's zero subtext in some of these songs. Absolutely. But there's there's a couple songs that she written she's written about just uh, uh, certain times in a young girl's life. Oh yes, indeed. I want you to play clip five. Clip five. Uh, this is a song called Fifteen from the album Fearless. It's not the. I just want to say we're not going to play any full Taylor Swift songs. Don't so you worry, folks. Don't, don't check out for five minutes. Okay. Okay. Now, that's, let's say, 100% uncompelling to you or me. Yeah. No. Well, not compelling, but I've got shit to say about it. But if you're a 14 or 15-year-old girl... Oh, certainly. You're like, that's about me. You, it's not even that's about me. It's like, that. I don't even think it's that. I think it's a, a 12 or 13-year-old girl's expectation of what things might be like when you're that person. You know? That's fair. It's like when a 10-year-old watches Saved by the Bell and they get excited about what high school is going to be like. I think it's exactly that because yeah. the, the line in that song that, I mean, like, again, the, the, the zero subtext, let's just take that as a given unless otherwise stated from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can whine about that all day, but I don't want to whine about it for 10 different clips. Yeah, there's no, like, metaphor. There's no double entendre here. Not at all. No. No, there's and not. And that's going to be a recurring theme. It doesn't reveal anything that it doesn't already obviously reveal. It, it just very explicitly says yes. Yes, but the, the, the line about, you know, oh, you see the senior boys, and he's like, well, what are you doing around here? Never seen you here before. Yeah. What's a nice girl like you doing in this school? You know, Yeah. that is creepy as shit, and maybe <laughs> I was wrong about subtext. She doesn't know it's there, but it's there because... 
Like, okay, I remember being yeah. a freshman, mm-hmm. and I remember being a senior. Mm-hmm. And when I was a fre- 14 to 18, that's a big fucking difference. Those are important years, uh, yeah. hormonally. Yeah. And when I was a freshman, the seniors looked 30. Mm-hmm. And when I was a senior, the freshmen looked 10. Okay? So if I'm a, if I, a senior, yeah. look at a freshman girl, and I'm like, what's up? It's like that's a little huh, weird. Well, I guess he's a pedophile. <laughs> you know, it's like I guess he I guess his interest in women has has a very low cutoff date. I mean, we know we know Swift likes uh older guys. John Mayer and so forth. John Mayer, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was sick of John Mayer when when Taylor Swift was too young to know what this song was going to be about. That's fair. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But also, I mean, I, I, when I was a senior, I think I, I had a, a brief relationship with, like, a junior, yeah. you know. So that's a difference of, you know, less than a year. Less or than maybe a year. just over a year. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah, in high school, that's insane. Yeah. But there's, there's definitely, I feel like she is, well, I want to contrast this with uh, uh, the aforementioned 22, uh, which clips six. Oh, God. And uh, go ahead and play that, Johnny. Okay, well, I did have shit to say about it, okay. so what the hell. It feels like a perfect night for breakfast at midnight to fall in love with strangers. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, we're happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. Okay, A, yeah. what is this feels like bullshit? When this song came out, she was 22. That's true. Yeah. Or at least when she wrote it. Yeah. But like, I, I, well, A, that, that song is, to be fair, way catchier. It is. Than 15. Yeah. But like, I, I, I'm, there's this, there's this kind of a, a tableau where she's, you know, evoking kind of the basic shit that her audience is, you know, thinking about at a certain age. Well, exactly. It's... It's like Harry Potter, okay? Uh-huh. That first book is for, you know, 10-year-olds. Right. And by the last book, you know, like, we've got Molly Weasley reenacting the end of Aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it, it, there's a steep sort of, well, not steep, perfectly graded sort of maturity curve. Right. You know, and Taylor Swift's albums follow that same process, or, or same progression, in that... She like she realizes okay it's been two years since my last album mm-hmm. the people who bought it are two years older yeah let's write a song for them and this is such a song like oh my god I've got my own apartment surely these carpets will stay clean forever yeah, <laughs> yeah no like breakfast at midnight yeah. like that's like seems like so exciting when you know you're 22 yeah like, like, oh man I'm crazy when you're when you're in a position where you're capable of doing that for the first time. Yeah. When you don't have to 
pay someone else to get the liquor for you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, you know, after a certain point, it's like, Christ, what do I even have in the fridge? Oh, waffles, fine. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you, you don't stay feeling like you're 22 forever. That yeah. shit pales. I meant like at a diner, you know. Like oh, yeah, sure. You're, you're fucking wasted and you get chocolate chip waffles at midnight and you're like, I can't believe I'm getting chocolate chip waffles at midnight. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm the so, first, the first time we did that, that was exciting. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, well, you know, depending on where you live, the pubs close at, you know, midnight or two or four or whatever. Yeah. Then you go to Eaton Park. You go to Denny's. Yeah. You know, and that feels awesome when you're that age. Exactly. Yeah. And that, like, Happy, free, confused, and lonely thing in the chorus. That actually works perfectly. It does. Like, I can look at it with an air of cynicism now, but it's like, no, I, I see that speaking to an audience. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that speaks to an audience. I feel like that one is certainly more of a gender neutral sentiment than 15. That's true. You yeah. know, I mean, like, there, the, that song honestly has moments where I'm like, yeah, Taylor, I thought that was cool once, too, you dummy. Yeah, totally. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait, and I'm going to keep track, because yeah. it must happen. It's when Taylor Swift writes a song called, like, Mid-30s. Yeah. And it's all like... Taylor Swift writes 34, yeah. Yeah. It's all like, all right, so I kind of have a handle on shit, mm-hmm. you know? It turns out a lot of that stuff wasn't a big deal. And no, things are going okay. Like, that's the song. Like, I decided... I got, yeah, I decided against grad school. Yeah. <laughs> I got health insurance now. Yeah. You know, things are working out all right. Yeah. I'm, you know, I made the decision between dog and baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No... That's going to be a great song, you know, in 10 years. Yeah, but this song is very much like, I can't believe I have my own apartment. I can just invite people over. Mm -hmm. I can sleep with the lights on until I get my first electric bill. Right. I can do whatever. Oh, my God. Pizza for breakfast, waffles for dinner. It's madness, and I'm not dying like my mom said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, like, these two clips alone, I think, give us a pretty good idea of why she is as popular as she is. Absolutely. Because, you know, whether or not you enjoy her work or find it having a lot of depth... Yeah. You can tell who it speaks to. Certainly. And who it speaks to happens to be a profitable demographic. Very much so. I mean... You know, you can say, everyone says, monoculture is dead. Right. I mean, and perhaps there's no, you know, solid, more than 50% majority to vote on a piece of pop culture. Sure. But two of the, the largest sort of pluralities want, you know, either pop music that kind of is in a, a comfortable, relatable place. Yeah. Or country music with kind of a strong moral underpinning. Right. And those are, you know, demographics that are just by definition sort of more conservative in their taste. They're all gonna, they're all gonna get on board for something, you know, uh-huh. and they're more comfortable all liking the same thing as everyone else in their peer group. Right. So if you can tap into both of them, like Taylor Swift has, mm-hmm. you can conquer the world. Oh, absolutely. It's <laughs> absolutely, and she largely has. Yeah. So. And I don't think that, I, I don't even think it's, as cynical on her part as it is for a lot of pop stars, but I feel like now, now this is this is one thing because uh, that I think is interesting is Taylor Swift has written or in some cases co-written yeah. every single song. No, I, I saw that as well. I on went I, all her albums, and she's often listed first in that. Process, yeah, you know? yeah. On the credits, is usually like the person who does the bulk of the writing is first, and then like whoever helped clear it up is, is yeah. second. 
And like, you know, Katy Perry writes some of her songs. Lady Gaga writes all her songs. Yeah. But like a Miley Cyrus, a Rihanna, even I was shocked to see Beyonce. I was actually disappointed to see Beyonce. Beyonce does not write most of her songs. Yeah. You know, I wasn't surprised at Miley. No. No shit. Yeah. But it's like, No, yeah. she was Hannah Montana. You think she was, you think that was a labor of love for her? No. No, it's basically a Spice Girls paradigm yeah. here. But yeah, like, uh, that Beyonce didn't write that album that she just, like, dropped last year. Yeah. That was sad. It was. I mean, she wrote some of it, but, yeah, but not if like you look at the author credits. She, she's not an auteur. Yeah. It's a disappointing level of other people on those credits. Yeah. So, you know. I I mean, she still brings it, but it, it, it's a letdown. It it's is. like, uh, you know. It's like, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> Absolutely. It kind of shatters the veil. But yeah. Taylor Swift writes all her shit. Yeah. You know. I mean, and I've got to give it up for that, of course. Yeah, that you is know, cool. Just because, fuck it, because I grew up in the 90s when that mattered. Mm-hmm. and uh, but, but also because, like I said, I don't think that she strictly, I mean, as, as perfectly as she taps into this demographic. Right. I don't really believe that it's cynical just because, and this this is going to sound mean. Okay. I don't think Taylor Swift has what it takes to be a Machiavellian chess master. Uh, that's fair. That's I, I believe that. I don't think she has that level of calculation to be like, what will what will the demographic respond to? You know, what's testing big? It's more of a happy accident. It is. Yeah. And, like the 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 person in. All of arts and all of media, uh-huh. who Taylor Swift mostly most reminds me of, uh-huh. and this is going to sound crazy, okay. is Michael Bay. Okay, do go on. Because, okay, we can talk about, oh, Michael Bay just fucking does what the studios want. Michael Bay just wants to fucking make money. But look, between the interviews he's done, mm-hmm. the director commentary, just the, the stuff people say about him. The stuff he gets genuinely excited about. The stuff he gets excited about, the verdict is in. Mm-hmm. Michael Bay truly believes in the films he makes. Right. Michael Bay makes the movies he would like to see. He fills his movies with things that truly appeal to him. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a great director. I don't think he's a great director. I think he can't hold his fucking camera still for more than two seconds. Oh, his movies are shit. They're terrible. But people want to see that. Right. And he is tapped into that. I think almost coincidentally, like just by by virtue of whatever influenced him in his life, mm-hmm. whatever experiences he had, whatever breaks he got along the way in his career, right, just happened to put him in a position to be allowed to make the movies he wants to make, and he happens to have tastes that align with a lot of other people's tastes. Yeah, yeah, he makes what he wants to make, and it turns out lots of millions and millions of people want to show up and enjoy it. Exactly. And And that's what Taylor Swift albums are. I think that's what it is. I think that she just sort of coincidentally has uh, tastes that are, I don't want to call them generic, that sounds mean, but that align with a lot of other people's uh, tastes and a lot of other people's expectations. Absolutely. And just happens to have a, a talent for songwriting. I mean, Tommy Wiseau does that, too. Well, he does. It turns out no one wanted to watch The Room, at least not sincerely. Well, nobody wanted to see the story he wanted to tell. Right. And more importantly, Tommy Wiseau was not equipped to tell that story. Michael Bay, for all his flaws, 
has a distinctive style and a, a level of competence at a director as a director that Tommy Wiseau doesn't even achieve. Well, no, yet. Tommy Wiseau is a maniac. But the point is, yeah. his motivations, his sincerity are the identical. Same. And if if Taylor Swift and Tommy Wiseau by the transitive property have the same basic motivation, yeah, to tell a story the way they think it should be told, then it's it, it's a happy accident that you know. Swift stuff is as beloved as it is. Yeah, I mean, there are... Because she's on the same wavelength. Wiseau is on nobody's wavelength. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, it's I mean, like Henry Darger. Yeah. Nobody... If Henry Darger had attempted to publish, if he had a website back then, mm-hmm. no one would have gotten on board. No. If anything, his website would have gone viral for a week when everyone was like, what, look what this crazy nut is publishing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like maybe there'd be a blog or a Tumblr dedicated to trying to explain it that somebody would give up on after four months. Yeah, <laughs> that's about yeah, it. Exactly. You know, but but I, exactly. I mean, and there are certainly musicians mm-hmm. who are deeply passionate about saying something that is utterly not on the wavelength of most people. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, and it's not even necessarily autobiographical. I mean, Tom Waits is. Yeah. Not autobiographical at all, you no, know? No, Tom Waits tells stories. He is a storyteller, and he, he, he likes to tell a certain kind of story. Absolutely. And it's a kind of story that not everybody is really interested in hearing. A lot of people are not on board with what Tom Waits wants to say. Yeah. You know, ditto for Tim and Eric. Yeah. Or Ween. Devo. Devo, absolutely. Yeah. And I, Devo's on my wavelength. <laughs> oh, yes. I am not the majority. I understand that most people aren't into what I'm into. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, I, you're absolutely right. It just so happens that Taylor Swift is on the same wavelength as tons of people who are really into her stuff. She feels very passionate about things that a lot of artists, frankly, just feel don't warrant passion. They feel, they feel are sort of too common or too universal. Yes. Uh, uh, which brings us to, let's say, clip seven. Clip seven? Yes. Okay, let's uh, go to another clip. Okay. Let's find out what awakes me. Clip raises new and troubling questions. <laughs> well, it, 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 that was a, a "You Belong with Me" from Swift's Fearless album. Yes, it is such an obvious cliche from, and the, the whole song is. Yeah. Go, go check if you guys don't think I think I'm making something up and yeah. you know cherry picking here, but like it is such a cliche. I don't. I'm. I was shocked that it hadn't already been written like. 50 years ago. I, well, it has. <laughs> it's been written again. I mean, it's, well, yeah. there are other songs about this. But, like, there, there are every every 80s and 90s teen movie. You know, yeah. Freddie Prinze Jr. has a career because of this cliche. Or had. Because well, of yeah. this cliche. <laughs> For a while. You know? Well, that's exactly it. Like, I feel like she says it blunter than anyone else. Like, yeah. other other people have written the same song with, with subtext, with metaphor. Yeah, because you don't want to just... I mean, like, there, there is an ongoing debate because on one hand, you know, Taylor Swift is very young, successful, 
writes her own songs, plays her own instrument, you right. know, is a real musician regardless of what she's writing. You give her someone else's song that's a better song, she can play that, you know? She also plays the guitar and the piano. Yeah, she's yeah. She's not doing a Jerry Halliwell thing. Here. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, but at the same time, I mean, there is the, the ongoing debate. Is Taylor Swift a, an essentially a conservative songwriter or an anti-feminist songwriter? Ah. Uh, because so many of her songs are about... Well, I'm not like those other girls. I'm not a whore. You know? Yeah. She yeah. doesn't say whore, but <laughs> she, she strongly implies whore in a lot of these songs. Or like, you know, well, all those other girls care about is, is fashion and being frivolous, empty headed, you know, flippity gibbets. Right. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm deep. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't dress up fancy because I have more poetic concerns. You know, it's like I don't have time to think about shoes because I feel so much. Mm, you know, mm. and I mean that's yeah. Again, that's a certain a, elitism, perhaps. It it is. It's like a it's like a snobs versus slobs story. Where, you know, you kind of start hating the slobs, <laughs> which is not supposed to happen. Because <laughs> we're fucking slobs. We're all slobs, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. <laughs> we're supposed to like those people. But when you're, when you're, like, just being a dick yeah. to, the, to the, 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 the alleged snobs, I don't even want to, I don't even trust her on, yeah. this de- on, on declaring that division. You That's know? a fair point. Like, I mean, this I'm... is all secondhand knowledge coming from her, you know? <laughs> That's true. I'm scruffy in an old clothes, and now I don't know what side I'm on. Like, maybe those people are gross. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, and, uh, well, but it's, it's such a cliche, though, because it's the foundation of every sort of, you know, high school makeover movie or just makeover scene in a high school movie. Right. You know, or every, every movie about a kid, boy or girl from the, 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 the rough side of town who ends up at the rich school. Yeah. Again, a lot of songs. Basically, the protagonist of every young adult novel is a girl who feels more. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. And, you know, well, she's not like the other girls, because she read a Jane Austen book once, you know, or whatever, you know. And the other girls like energy drinks, but she likes tea, you know. Right, (laughs) you should... And the, the, like, it's not even... It's text is what it is. It is, yeah, it's not subtext. Don't date that girl, date me. Yeah, well, exactly. It's like, hey, who's always been there for you? Who helped you move that piano that time? You owe me. We would never let a dude get away with that shit. I think I, I think the act, there's one line. I think it actually says something like, she'll never understand you like I do. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I mean, and look, I mean, back before I had social skills, well, when I had less social skills than I do now, <laughs> when I was in fucking high school, uh-huh. yeah, I tried to pull that shit every nerd does in high school, you know? Oh, yeah. And then you grow the fuck up, you know? And like, I mean, hopefully. I guess it's refreshing to know that the girls were doing that too, well, but it's also disappointing to know that. Well, that's what that whole nice guy thing on the internet was like two years ago. Yeah, but I mean, to... to to have this song say it's not just an issue of male entitlement, on one hand, that 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 makes the issue more complex. Uh-huh. But on the other hand, she's coming down in favor of this behavior. You know? <laughs> it's like she's not saying women also stop doing this. She's saying 
Well, it's okay when we, it's like, is it setting up a double standard? Is it worse not setting up a double standard and saying, go ahead, boys? No, all she's, open season. All she's saying is, this is what I'm doing and I'm writing this song so that you who are also doing this know that I understand. Exactly. There's no subtext. No. No. (laughs) That's the thing. You're, you're, you're making critical implications that aren't there. She's not thinking about these issues. Well, they're not there, but they are kind of there. I mean, they exist in the paradigm. The argument can be made without really having to reach. You know, you don't have to dig for it. Right. But at the same time, she didn't think there was anything there to dig at all. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a very simple validation. Exactly. You know. Because certainly there are there are girls in high schools who are thinking this about their friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, shit, I probably could have gotten laid in high school at all. But fuck it. Right. You know? So yeah. <laughs> it's past and that would have just given me less motivation to escape that town. So, yeah. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift, what a mess. <laughs> there, uh, on that topic, or maybe slightly diverting from that, okay. there's another thing she does, which I think is is really a country roots thing. All right. Where she I does think I know the, where you're going. She does, like, the morality check. Yeah. Or, like, the old-fashioned values check. Yeah, like, even when she's going... Like, that's one of the only things that I think she gradually learns to do with some subtlety. Uh-huh. Because, you know, in the early sort of more country album, mm-hmm. you know, she's very much hitting those, you know, I'm a good girl in a, a very traditional, like the the song uh, uh, Love Story, the, the one of the big hits. Clip nine. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Was that it? That was the exact verse. That contains the most explicit, I think, moral check in her in her body of work. Oh God! It's and got, I hate it. it. Well, yes, yes, but I mean, it's got the the teenage child bride marriage proposal. Yeah. The 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 guy asks her dad first, and then oh. asks her. Oh. The angelic choir comes in, and this is after uh-huh. the 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 quiet chorus. Right. You know, after the all is lost chorus. Yeah, I left that apart out. Yeah, where it just. It goes down to just her and the guitar, and then it comes back in with a full angelic choir. Yeah, because she's got dad's permission. I hate that. The fucking, like, daughter is property thing. Yeah. And, like, I do hate that shit. The most, one of the most appalling misogynistic things that is still alive and breathing in our culture. Yeah. Is the whole, uh, 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 ask for my dad's, ask for, ask my dad for my hand. Yeah. You know, Fuck that! No, I'm not. No. I mean, we're going to tell him eventually, but... I mean, yeah, no, like, we're not, it's not going to be sneaky, but you don't need his yeah. permission. And, like, the first verse of this song, yeah. you know, like, a minute earlier, was your, her dad was telling this kid, stay away from my daughter, you know? Right. And so, it's like, what? It, it, like, you were scared they were going to have premarital sex, but as soon as he's like, hey, your daughter, who I've known for a week, I'd like to marry her, and now dad's like... Oh well. Oh yeah, sure. You have my permission for that. Now I now I like you as long as it's in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. As, 
And as long as God and the state are okay with it, sure, <laughs> sure, my teenage daughter can totally get married to you. Right. Man, she just met at a party who we don't really hear much about in the song. Who, who just happens to have a ring and some dresses in his truck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, like, did you steal these from women you've killed? We don't know. Yeah, well, you know, that's the song ending. <clears throat> and the the interesting thing is, now I, I listened to another podcast about this song. Uh, yeah, Story Song Podcast. It's it's actually quite good. Yes. You guys should check it out. But they mentioned that the, they did the research into the story behind this song. Okay. And said that, like a lot of her songs, it's semi-autobiographical and is based on her experience with allegedly a Jonas brother, Joe Jonas. Okay, I don't know. Fuck all about the Jonas Brothers. Well, apparently one of them was dating Taylor Swift. Okay, aren't aren't wait 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 wait? Are the Jonas Brothers the purity ring guys? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, I remember now. And so, and apparently her parents were like, "That boy is no good," and then they changed their minds about him. And then later she realized they were right, and they broke up because Taylor Swift dates everyone for two months. Anyone who insists that you put on a purity ring is a creep. And will always be a creep. Yes. End of story. Yes. Don't date Jonas Brothers. It, well, yeah. I mean, well, unless I they stop wearing the purity rings, but aren't they? They've got to be in their mid twenties by now. Oh yeah. Well, I the, assume. I don't know. The point is that you know, knowing that that Taylor Swift was at a point in her life and career, right, where she was a celebrity and was dating other celebrities, yeah, and still had you know. Like, we're still having the, I hate you, dad, arguments. Mm -hmm. You know, on one hand, it's like, maybe that's why she's keeping it together. Because she still has normal parents. Maybe. That, you know, she doesn't fair. have the crazy manager, this kid is my meal ticket parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like uh, fucking uh, Bieber's parents. Like, yeah. Bieber's dad was helping him block off that interstate so he could <laughs> drag race. Exactly. Like, that is not a good uh, no, uh, no. influence. No, if your dad is using you to... To be the bad teenager he never was. No, man. No. Like, like, yeah, Bieber has no role models. Yeah, or like, you know, Lindsay Lohan's mom, famously, oh. or from the Purple People Eater, you know, Thora Birch's dad was kind of the opposite problem. She wanted to have a real career. Oh, and yeah. And he, he wanted to screw around. And, and he a, was this, idiot. like, yeah, creepy psycho. Yeah. Like, costing his daughter, you know... Work, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what's going on and why she's keeping it together. And that's cool, but at the same time, it's like... That's such a rich vein of, of teen and young adult angst in mm -hmm. real life. Mm -hmm. And most celebrities, of course, don't have that. No. They're, they're, their parents are their crazy managers... Or their parents aren't involved in the business decisions, or they just, you know, the kid has too much money to be scolded. Or if they do, they don't talk about it. Yeah. See, I feel like Taylor Swift is like the embodiment of that, I guess, millennial or whatever generation that, like, overshares. Yeah. The, you know, telling every sob story that happens to you on, on Facebook and Twitter yeah. and, and having an, you know, unlocked Instagram account and just like... Yeah, the... the the, the the mentality of knowing how your side of Facebook works, yeah. but having no idea how everyone else's end of the internet works. Right. That, like, no filters that, like, I'm just going to overshare everything. Yeah. Which, no, it's it's, it's horrifying to me. You well, know? It, I, and mean, I, I wish I knew less about a lot of people. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I wish I knew less about people 
who are very careful with their content. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know a lot of people who are very private, and I still know more about them than I probably should. Yeah, that's you fair. Know? Yeah. And so, you know, knowing truly, getting the full unfiltered feed on someone's life. And, and that she's not just like, Putting it on the internet, but putting it on albums that she knows will sell millions of copies. Yes, that's a that's a level of personalness that is. It's yeah. a bit peculiar, but I feel like it, it again fits that generation. The fact that her parents are apparently not frightened or intimidated by this, yeah, is interesting. I mean, that's fair. And again, I don't think she has it in her to be Machiavelli. I think that this isn't this isn't an act. I think her parents really do get on her case about the boy she dates sometimes. Well, I read a, I read an interview uh, uh, where someone asked her on that at subject, and she actually talked about how you know when. She she was a kid. She would listen to like, uh, like, you know, Bonnie Raitt and Reba McIntyre. Mm-hmm. You know, your kind of classic, you know, country singing <laughs> yeah, women. Yes, and would like be surprised when she would hear a story about their personal lives and then not hear them sing about it. Like, why aren't you writing songs about this important thing that's going on in your life? So, like, to her, this is completely natural. Like, this is how you should write a song. Yeah, that's yeah. actually weird. I mean, that's. That's a, a, a trend I've noticed as well. That sort of uh, that preference for you know a direct description of something that happened versus rather than fiction. Yeah, because a fiction is always open to interpretation, even though it's a a far more contrived way of things happening than ever happens in real life. Right. But because it can be layered in a way that has more meaning than real life events do, mm-hmm. it has this sort of complexity and room for interpretation that people get into fights over. Uh-huh. Uh, a story that happened in real life, you can always fact check. Right. You can always be like, no, no, that's not what happened, dummy. Yeah. yeah. And people, there just seems to be more of a hunger for that right now. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I really, you know, I I don't want a six-minute song about why you broke up with John Mayer, but... And yet we got one. Yeah. Although, it was for all the reasons I guessed. John Mayer was a creep dating a little girl. Not surprising. No. Not surprising. Uh, (laughs) Um... Yeah, there's one other thing I've noticed. Okay. I think, uh, and we can probably wrap it up there, but um, there's a, a, a stylistically, because as we've mentioned, she's gradually gone, you know, from country to pop. Yes. And there's someone else who did that, which was Shania Twain. Oh, Christ. And she is writing nice, upbeat pop songs, but there's a thing she does and I want you to play clips one, two, and three, oh, and see if you notice the pattern. All right, uh, here comes clip one. I used to think that we were forever, ever, and I used to say never say never. So he calls me up and he's like, "I still love you," and I'm like, "I'm just, I mean, this is exhausting, you know? Like we're never getting back together, like ever." Okay, that was one. Here comes two. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist. That don't impress me much. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Okay, now number three.
Now, I'm ready to defend that last one. <laughs> Obviously, Improper Dancing by Electric Six is a meta-commentary about how dance music exists. Yes. Um, but, but, <laughs> which I put in for fun. Well, but, but Taylor Swift... Can't go wrong with that. But yeah, that, that thing that Shania, and, and to her credit, Taylor Swift doesn't do it that often. No. Shania Twain does it constantly. That was like her gimmick. That was like, yeah. she's the lady who does the thing. She yeah. stops, she's singing, she stops and talks to you for a second. Yeah. It's like when Zach Morris turns and addresses the audience. And like, during Shania Twain's sort of ascendant, you know, yeah. period, I, that was, I mean, there was a lot to not like, mm-hmm. but that was arguably the thing I hated the most, was just, because it was always a, intended to be a little bit sassy and a little bit naughty whenever she would do the little talking before or during the song. Right. But it always required just a tiny bit more acting than she was capable of. <laughs> Not a lot more. It wasn't a truly <laughs> grievously awful Tommy Wiseau performance. Sure. It was a performance that fell just short. It was always like, okay, boys, you know, and it's like, I yeah. don't buy it. It you know? really breaks the fourth wall of the song. It felt like there were 20 takes, uh-huh. and they used the wrong one. She had to get it just right, and no. But no. Yeah. Like, and there was a better take, but for whatever reason, you know, it did, like they used a different one, you know? Yeah. It didn't mix with the downbeat or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, it, it, but in, uh, in um, We Are Never Getting Back Together, that part where she stops and like you get the impression that she's talking to one of her friends on the phone yeah. about her boyfriend. Yeah. It's like, that. if that's not a Shania Twain nod, there's yeah. no way it's not. I don't know. I mean... Like, or or she was, like, planning the video. I think it was she was planning the video. Because it sounds like the, the... It sounds choreographed almost. Yeah, I mean, and it does. It It does sound like, okay, this is the part of the video where I'm on the phone... Talking about how you know it's gonna be great, you know, and because that often that in in the heyday of music videos, mm-hmm. they would sometimes like put in a, a part of the music video that wasn't in the song. Yeah. Beastie Boys sabotage. Yeah, there's that middle part where they do like cool spy shit. Yeah, it's not in the song. It's not on the album. No, it's just for the Spike Jones music video. It, well, that was Spike Jones, I mean, and it was awesome. Well, yeah, but I'm saying they. It was the Beastie Boys who, you know, are great, dealing with one of the masters of the music video form. Sure. Yeah, so you can get away with that then. But to put it in the song itself yeah. is weird for a song. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's weird for a song, and it reminds me of the thing I hate about Stephen King. Okay. <laughs> which is... In his books, and I thought this was a habit he developed recently. You mean like after he'd... He'd made it and he knew every book would get option for a screenplay? Right. But no, this is back... I went back and read The Shining recently. Mm-hmm. I had never read The Shining. I'd seen the movie. You know, the book's nothing like it. Blah, that was blah. written, what, in like the 70s? Yeah. 60s? The 70s. Okay. And I went back and I read it. And even in The Shining, there are scenes where you can just see him 
sitting there writing it thinking this is going to look so sweet in the movie and it's it's not even a scene that's it, that made it into the movie uh-huh but like it, there's a scene in the basement of the hotel where like uh, I don't even remember what's happening there's some kind of fight or some kind of action going on yeah and somebody like the basement's lit with just a bare light bulb on a cord uh-huh. and somebody hits the bulb and it's swinging around while there's a fight happening and the shadows are like flashing all over the walls and he describes it so lovingly that it's like you know in his head he's like this is going to be so awesome in the movie like his novel Essentially has notes to the screenwriter. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. That's I not mean, how you write a book. Maybe that's the secret. Or maybe that is how you write yeah, a book. Maybe that's the is, secret of his success. That's he is why insanely he, successful. That's why his movies or his novels all get turned into movies because he has the notes right there in the text. Because a screenwriter can read that book and go, I know how to make this into a movie. Let's yeah. call him up. I mean, I read that scene and I immediately could picture it perfectly in a movie. In a movie, you know, like I could have. I feel like I am equipped to direct that scene if it comes to me, you know? Yeah. And I, I think anyone who reads that part of the book is prepared to direct that scene. Absolutely. But that, that but I, it bugs me when he does it because I can see him doing it. You know, the cracks always show when he does that. Yeah. And th- this is the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoever directed the music video for uh, We Are Never Getting Back Together, yeah. they heard this song once and were like, oh, this will take one afternoon. I can see the decor of the room that she's in during that scene. And I've never seen that video. Yeah. I just know. Exactly. Yeah. And as do I. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, and that's the thing. I mean, and, and obviously that song is an obvious single, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just because, I mean, like, even if you don't have a taste for the music, you can pick the single and that's it, you know. Yeah. It's... And obviously, monstrously huge hit. So yeah, if 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 uh, A and R was still the same industry as it was in the eighties and nineties, yeah. I could have had a very profitable career as an A and R douche. Yeah, yeah. It, it, based on our Taylor Swift experience, sure. <laughs> if that is indeed indicative of what it was like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I mean, that's about all I have about Taylor Swift. I think I've run out of shit to say about her as well. Yeah. So, I mean, this was unusually thorough. It was. It was. Well, I mean, again, her stuff isn't terribly difficult. No. It's not like Regina Spector or, yeah. you know, even like a Tori Amos where yeah. you need to, like, figure out what's going on and yeah. is this... Especially with Spectre, it was always like, is this about your life? Because I feel like you made this up out of whole cloth. Exactly. She, again, fits in... I mean, we talked about this in the Regina Spectre episode. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of in that Tom Waits model of Absolutely. storyteller. And I, she's admitted as much. She's like, no, yeah. these are just stories. None of this shit happened. Well, I, nobody could survive all that. No. <laughs> but but Taylor Swift, it's, it's that like it's that autobiographical thing. Yeah. I mean, and it, I didn't think it would be because there's just so much... Yeah. But it's really like any minor incident that took up, you know, two days or a week or whatever in her life, she's able to inflate to like the epic scale of these songs, you know? I mean, I. Because a lot of these songs do kind of traffic in sort of fairy tale tropes and, you know, grand historical romance tropes. Right. Which, based on the life she must have led, just given that she lives in the present and has never actually fought a dragon. Right. You know, must be based on very minor incidents. Well, I mean, a lot of people in their teens and early 20s go through that period where every romantic relationship lasts about a month. 
Indeed they do. You are super into each other, super passionate. You, like, you know, give each other eyes for a week. You fuck. You are an official couple, and then two more weeks, and you hate each other. Yeah. Like... Two more weeks, and you're nobody's sad about the breakup. You're both relieved. You're both relieved. You're ready to move on. Yeah. Like, I, it's like her her albums are like... The, the intensity of being in those moments. Yeah. You know? But they're all so fleeting and ultimately pointless when you get older. I mean, and there are thousands, if not millions, of, of young people... Yeah. ...writing down those experiences, you know? Right. But they're toiling away in English departments like idiots. Make them songs! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it works. Because, <laughs> like, th- this is... This is every teenager's diary, you know? Yeah. Right up to the ridiculous overstatement of how important stuff is uh-huh. turned into songs. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and again, that metaphor gets used a lot in discussions of Taylor Swift, and there's a reason for that, because it's right. Right. And uh, there we go. I think that's the closest we're going to get to a, an understanding on our level from Taylor Swift. Yeah, no, that was our breakthrough. It was, hey, everyone else was already right. We didn't need to do this. Well, you know what, though? This... Like, and and again, with Breakfast of the Week, we often learn things that we never would have looked into. Yeah, we were not Taylor Swift's, you know, target demographic, and our audience is also not. I've never bothered. I'm, I'm guessing most of you have never bothered. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see what she does as she gets older. Now that she's kind of cemented herself in this autobiographical fashion. Yeah. I probably will listen to the fifth album once. Just, just to be to like... what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, is she doing that shit again? Yeah. It's almost like reading someone's blog. It kind of is. You know? But if, if someone's blog, okay, were condensed like every two years, was condensed into a 50-minute record. Yeah. Like, suddenly it feels painless. Yeah. Compared yeah. to reading a fucking live journal every day. Ugh. Oh, no Tedium. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, no... Taylor Swift's live journal, it, you know, only comes out every couple of years, and it has outlasted live journal. Yeah, and I do want to hear 34. As do I. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a decade from now, but... uh, But I'm curious. Yeah. You know, will she be around? (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, so uh, there you go. Taylor Swift. Indeed it is. Yeah, as best as we could figure out. I'm sure some of you learned something today. Yeah. Four more of these. <laughs> okay, four more. All right, everybody. Uh, go to thebeak.org. Follow us on Twitter at thebeak at Doc Heisenberg. Facebook.com slash breakfast with the beak. Breakfast with the beak.tumblr.com. And we'll see you for four more weeks. All right. Have a good breakfast. Yo. <laughs>